Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to the to the well and also to the well cafe. My name is David and I serve as one of the pastors here and especially if this is your first time here with us. If you're our guest today, we're delighted to have you and would love to serve or bless you in any way that we can. Outside your worship space is a connecting point and if you have any questions, we'd love to, to meet you there. Uh, we have had a really good weekend in the life of our church. I want to tell you just a few things um, about that already. If you've been upstairs, you've probably heard uh, Lauren already speak to this. If you're here in the well, you heard Johnny mention our confirmation retreat this weekend. I had the chance to baptize uh, those kids yesterday uh, at, at Glen Lake, which was a great opportunity uh, to be there with them, to, to ask them the questions, do you confess your faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Do you uh, to commit your life to living your life as a follower of Jesus? Do you desire to be baptized? And seeing those kids look you right in the eye and say, yes, yes, yes. That's a pretty cool moment. Really excited about that and also our service today. That's a neat thing that's happening in the life of our church today. Uh, the other thing that's happening this weekend that you may not know about is we have 12 people who are serving on a Kairos uh, prison weekend. So what they're doing is sharing a ministry with, uh, with uh, inmates at the Boyd unit in Teague, Texas. And so we pray blessings over them and over the message they are, they're sharing, as well as the cookies that you baked uh, to bless them in that. So we thank you for that gift. Uh, I, I've had a great weekend. I hope you have as well. I've only had one hiccup. I want to tell you about my one hiccup. Uh, it happened last night. Uh, we picked up our son from, uh, from G-Force here. We, our, our family comes to worship on Saturday night most weeks. Uh, and he had fallen on his wrist and couldn't move his wrist. And so we went to the ER. And here's what I found out last night. My son at six years old has already been to the ER too many times. Like, he knows the drill. He knows exactly what you do next. He was asking, he was answering all of the nurses' questions. I inquired about a membership to the ER, and <laughs> they said that was not available to us. But um, we definitely would qualify if it was. Uh, so uh, he, he and my daughter had had a, uh, a day with Nana, my mom, uh, looking at blue bonnets. So every spring she takes them to go look at blue bonnets and take pictures. And so he was kind of tired when he came back to mom and didn't really want to come to church. So while my wife is driving him to the ER, he, in his six-year-old wisdom, says, see, mom, I told you we shouldn't have gone to church tonight. <laughs> I, I met them with my daughter there at the, uh, at the waiting room. I went and picked up dinner and we had a little family dinner there in the waiting room at the hospital. And so my wife is telling me this, what, what my son has just told her, that he shouldn't have gone to church, otherwise he, you know, he probably wouldn't have broken his wrist. And my 11-year-old my daughter, with grace and love, says to my six-year-old son, don't worry, Jack, you can get through everything with Jesus. Isn't that sweet? I wish I could tell you that his response to his sister was sweet, but, but it wasn't. It wasn't sweet out of his six-year-old mouth. So today... We're going to talk about the power of words in families. And I told you all that because I just want you to know that, that in our family, we're batting 500, okay? So we got, we got one who's right on track and one who thinks he shouldn't go to church because he's going to break his wrist. So um, Johnny started this series last week, and he set up just this very simple but profound truth that words can change your life. And I hope you already hear the tension between that and what you may have heard growing up in your life, which the, the, the wisdom that many of us heard, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, what? Will never hurt me. We all heard that growing up. We all heard that wisdom. But as we have grown and matured, you've probably come to recognize that that's not quite true. 
that the words that you speak and the words that you hear in your life, they actually have tremendous power and influence over you, that your words really do have the power to both create and to destroy, that words can, in fact, change your life. Here's what the book of James says. This is a, the message translation. It says, a word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. And then Ephesians 4.29, this is our memory verse for this series. We're challenging you to, to memorize this verse. In fact, we have these cards that you can pick up on the way out. Uh, put this on your mirror uh, in your bathroom, on your car if, if you want to do that, but somewhere where you can remember these words, and, and we're going to read these together so that you can practice here. Will you read this with me? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We're going to read it one more time. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Again, that's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. So today we're talking about words in the context of our families. And my mind immediately goes, when I first think about that, it goes to the words shared from a parent to a child. It reminds me of the very first day of my daughter's life. Uh, our first child, when she was born, we had many family and friends who came to the hospital to see us. We probably broke the rules on how many were supposed to be in that, in that room with us. But they came to celebrate with us and to welcome Anna into the world. And several people that day made an observation that they shared with me and they shared uh, with my wife that, that of all the people who were sharing words and talking about how wonderful she was and all the things that were being shared, Anna already knew the sound of my voice and the sound of her mother's voice. That she, on that very first day of her life, would, would look and would, and would give attention when she heard either my voice or her mother's voice. Why? Because she'd already heard our words. As she was growing in her mother's womb, she recognized the sound of her father's voice and her mother's voice. And of course, we know that that influence carries through the early years of childhood. It forms and shapes us in a very real way. We learn ourselves who we are and, and what we're good, all those things about us from what people tell us about ourselves, our, our parents as we're growing up in our life. That, that influence carries on into adolescence. Even during those years, parents, when you think your words don't matter at all to your teenager, they hear them and they internalize them. And of course, they carry that into the, the early years of adulthood. And when a young person meets another young person and they decide to marry and start a new family, they bring the words of their families into that new family that they are creating. And when they are blessed with a child, with, with child if that happens for that, for that couple, that those words come from the generation before them and they're shared with the, that new family that they create. Words are powerful. And what I learned this week is I don't have to convince you of that. I shared some questions with you on Facebook, and you convinced me that you know the power of words. The questions I asked you were, what words do you most remember hearing from your parents? And I heard many, many different responses to that, both positive and some negative. 
What is the word or phrase you most appreciate hearing from your spouse or the word or phrase that you most want to hear from your spouse? And I was inundated with responses to both of these questions. Many great words of life that you remember and you treasure and some experiences that you shared with me that were not profitable or helpful for you. But before I share with you some of those responses, I want to share with you first a video we shot a couple of weeks ago. This is my friend Brian, who's a Christian counselor here in our community. And I sat down with him a few weeks ago and just asked him to share with you from his perspective as a counselor, someone who meets with people on a regular basis and hears their stories, uh, hears what they're going through. What's his perspective on the power of words? Let's watch that now. As a counselor, I'm consistently reminded of the power of our beliefs, the power of our experiences, and the power of our words. The first thing I think of is as, as a child, as we're growing up, whether it's uh, from friends on the playground or whether it's from parents, sometimes those words can have really deep impacts and um, honestly unknowingly affect us um, for the rest of our life, if we're not real careful. The, the ones that come to mind are some of the most destructive. You're stupid, you're dumb, uh, you're never gonna amount to anything. Um, you're a failure, you're a mistake. You know, they hear that as a child at you know, five, six, eight years old. You can fast forward 30 years later and they still hear that voice in their head of their, their mother, of their father, a step-parent, saying that in their head, you're never gonna amount to anything. You're worthless. That lie just resonates in their head, and then later on in their life, they realize that that's not true. I've made made mistakes. <laughs> we all have failures, but that doesn't mean that I'm inherently flawed. Um, sometimes that's a that's a revelation for people. And then there's the the power of words between spouses. Whenever we get married, we we trust someone. We can be vulnerable with them and we can open up a, a door to let them in and we, we share some of ourselves and pieces of ourselves that we would never share with anyone else. And unfortunately, uh, with human nature, whenever we get into a fight, uh, I want you to feel what I'm feeling. So if I'm angry, I want you to be angry. If I'm hurt, I want you to be hurt. And often those words that have been spoken in the past in a moment of tenderness, in a moment of vulnerability, can be used as a way to hurt, um, very destructive. Uh, but those words can also be healing. Uh, when I'm working with a couple, really early on, one of the really early sessions, they look into each other's eyes and they exchange three I love you becauses. Uh, I love you because you're a good mom. I love you because you're a good dad. I love you because you're a good cook. I love you because you're a snappy dresser. Um, just three things that they love about each other. Now, out of context, that seems pretty simple, you know, pretty easy. Shouldn't be that difficult unless you've been at ground zero, unless you've been in a completely hopeless state of mind. Think about how differently you would feel if you are in a, in a home where you're building each other up uh, all the time instead of tearing each other down, um, whether in mean, hateful ways or even in sarcastic ways, um, that you are being kind and, and, and positive with your love and affection for each other. Words can change your life. 
me share with you some of the words that you shared with me this week. Those who spoke of, of great words of life that they have treasured from their parents, they, they told me things like this, I love you without reservation, is something I remember hearing from their parents. Someone who spoke of their adopted father who always said to her, you are my daughter and I accept and love you, period. Someone said, when I hear good things about you, I will not be surprised. When I hear bad things about you, I will not believe them. And even if the bad things are true, I will love you anyways. That's something they heard from their parents. Uh, always do the very best that you can do. There is nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you. If I was ever in trouble, another person said, my parents always said that I could call them. I could also use them as my scapegoat if my friends wanted me to do something that I didn't want to do or I knew I shouldn't do. I love you and I'm proud of you. You will have good days and bad days and I will love you all of those days. My mom always told me that I was cherished. Something about the passive voice in that sentence was perfect. It was who I was versus what someone else thought of me. I'm proud of you. You're daddy's girl, and I don't ever want you to forget that. Be a leader by believing in yourself. I believe in you. We love you, and nothing will ever change that. A man spoke of his father from elementary to college. He said, my dad would often send me handwritten notes saying, I'm proud of you, son, and he would sign his name. Spouses who spoke of those words that they treasure and appreciate hearing from, from, their, from their husband or their wife. Thank you for working so hard for us. Thank you. I appreciate you. When he shares a thoughtful or spontaneous, I love you. I miss you. I treasure you. I appreciate you. How can I help you? Thank you. I appreciate all you do. I am thankful for you. I thank God for you. You look beautiful. You're a great mom, you're a great father, a great husband, a great wife. Thank you for all that you do. I need you. Thank you for taking care of me. I appreciate the example you set for our children. I am sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I am here for you. I wish I could tell you that's all I received. It was all just glowing, wonderful things that you have shared with one another, but you know that's not true. Many of what I received via email or private message were the other kinds of stories, and here's what some of them shared. First, a comment on Facebook. Someone said, I, I grew up with parents who said to me over and over again, children should be seen and not heard. Someone else saw that comment, uh, said that they had also heard that growing up, and, and she reflected, I have no problem speaking up for myself now, but there is always a piece of me who thinks my voice is not important. Another said that her parents both used to say to her, why can't you be more like so-and-so? And they would enter a friend's name. She said, I always felt like I was not good enough for them. Another person said, unfortunately, I never heard the words, I love you. You can do it. We support you. We're proud of you. And needless to say that today, I don't really have a lot of fond memories of my immediate family. Someone else said, I heard that I was a disappointment. Another person said, the words that I heard over and over from my parents were, you are a good-for-nothing, spoiled little brat, and you will never amount to anything. They said, I still hear the echoes of those words. It affected my confidence in many ways. Another person said, I never heard good job or I love you, just always work harder. Another person said, although I know without a doubt that my father loved me, he could say some very thoughtless things, and she shared with me, an experience after a middle school softball game, she came home to tell her dad about the game and she said to him, Dad, I hit a double, a triple, and a home run tonight. She said, my father smirked and said, were they made on errors? 
After this, she writes, I seldom shared details of my gains when I got home. And she reminded me that this experience happened in 1965. Another person said, my father was a very stern and unhappy man. I remember him routinely telling me that I was worthless and would never amount to anything. Another person shared this story. One night when I was 13, after my dad had been drinking, he told me that my birth had ruined his whole life. He said he had a plan for his life, but mom getting pregnant on their honeymoon changed it all, and he blamed me for that. And that night, my relationship forever changed with my dad. Another person said, my dad did the best he could to put a roof over our heads and food in our bellies, but he also made sure that I stayed afraid of him. There were not many good times in my childhood and very few positive words. Here again, these words from James, a word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the pit of hell. And again, I want to bring you back to Ephesians chapter 4. I want us to read this together again as soon as it comes up on the screen. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I want to share three words with you. As you consider the power of your own words, the power that you share with your family, your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your mom, your dad, with those people that you care about, those people that you are close to. And the first uh, the first group that I want to speak to are those who, as you heard those positive words, as you heard the words that people expressed from their parents of, I love you, I, I appreciate you, I'm proud of you, nothing will ever change that, or, or the words shared from a, from a husband to a wife, from a wife to a husband. If you heard those words and you're here today and you're just thinking, I just wish that I could hear that, you, you would speak not of the presence of those words, but you would speak of the absence of those words. If, you, if that's you, I want you to hear a word of grace for you, a word that I believe can change the trajectory of your life if you'll hear it and you'll receive it. It's not an easy word. It's a difficult truth, but I know from my own experience, from the experience of others, that it can change your life if you'll receive it. And, and begin to respond to it. It's simply this. You cannot spend your life waiting to hear words that you may never hear. You cannot spend your life waiting to hear words you may never hear. See, here's what often happens when we have a close relationship with someone who we expect is going to speak into our life a word of life, a word of grace, a word of love. We assume that the absence of those words says something about who we are. We allow the absence to create a, a, a false reality, a, a false truth about ourselves, and, 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 and we spend our life waiting to hear that that is in fact not true. Here's what I want you to hear, and maybe you need to write this down. The absence of words that would express to us or to you value, love, and acceptance does not mean that we or you are not valuable, loved, or accepted. But that's often what we do. When we lack those words, when we feel their absence, we allow it to create an understanding of ourselves that is simply not true. 
And if you're here today and that's where you are, that's how you would express your understanding of the power of words in your life, not talking about the presence of them in your life, but the absence in, in a particular relationship, I want to encourage you, please come back next week. Because what we're going to talk about next week is how the absence of those words can lead to words that we begin to share with ourselves. And the danger of that, we'll talk about this more again next week, is that, is that no one else hears the words that we say to ourselves. And so no one can say, that's not true, because they don't hear what we say to ourselves. You cannot spend your life waiting to hear words you may never hear. It's a difficult truth to accept, but we cannot control the words of a mom or a dad, a husband or a wife. And freedom comes when we have the, the power to disassociate the, the lie that we have believed from the words that someone has not spoken to us. And we begin to understand maybe there's something else that's true about me. Here's the second thing. I want you to notice this in the words from Ephesians 4. The focus of our words should not be on what we want to say, but on what others need to hear. Did you catch that in Paul's words? He says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your, out of your mouths because you need to be aware of what is helpful to others, what is profitable to them, what will benefit those who listen. It's not about what we want to say. It's about what others need to hear. We're often very aware of what we want to receive of the words that we want to hear, the words of love and acceptance and, and pride that someone feels in us, but we often miss the fact that others are looking to us for those things too. There are people in our life who, who need to hear a word of grace, a word of love, a word of acceptance for us. Now here's what that means practically, okay? As you receive this message and as you go from this place with, with it today, if, you, if the person sitting next to you leaves today a little bit sore in their side because you've been doing this the whole time, <laughs> or if you're going to get in the car and immediately say to your husband or your wife or call your mom and, or your dad and say, why haven't you done a better job with this? Here's what I want you to hear with grace. You've missed the point. You've totally missed the point. Here's the point of this series. Here's the point of this message. Your words matter. There is tremendous power and capacity in the words that you share with a husband or a wife, a mom or a dad, a son or a daughter, an aunt or an uncle, a close member of your family. Your words matter. And oftentimes, if you're a person who has lacked felt the absence of words, part of the healing process is being diligent in your own life to share those words with somebody else. Because your words are the only words that you can control. Here's the third thing. It is never too late to change your words. I got an email this week from a, from a mom who had received a gift from her mother. And attached with that gift was a very loving and affirming letter that she shared with me that she had gotten from her, from her mom. It was a letter that spoke to how this mom had always seen her daughter, uh, her daughter as, as, as gifted and, and sacred, a wonderful gift that she had received into her life, a, a talented young woman. It, it spoke to how she had seen her daughter develop and grow into this beautiful young woman, and it also took very careful attention to, to, to affirm her daughter's uh, fruitfulness and the way she had blossomed in her own mothering of her, of her children. She talked about the way that she had seen her, her, her daughter uh, become a mom and, and, and pour her life into her young children, affirming 
for her, the gift that she was giving to her kids. And in the, in the course of this letter, she said to her daughter, I am so thankful that God chose me to be your mother. The mom who emailed me said this. She said, I cried for a long, term when I, long time when I first read that letter, and I still do each time that I do. It was a deep truth that I needed to hear. And it was a brave and loving letter from my mother. There's a really good book I would recommend to you. It's a book called Soul Keeping by John Ortberg. And in the book, he, he says this. He says, blessing is not just a word. Blessing is the projection of good into the life of another. So I heard that again this week, and I was thinking about this, this very simple phrase, the power of words, and just the question, what is it that makes our words so powerful? And I tried to express it last night, and I just missed it. So if, they, if you came last night and you're back, I'm glad, because I, I missed this part of the message. I, just, I went home, and I went, I didn't capture that. I didn't, I, I didn't say exactly what I wanted to say. Why, what is it about words that make them so powerful? Here, here's what I believe. In Romans chapter 8, it says this, that God's spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, here's what I think that means. That, that means to me that when you say yes to Jesus, the gift that you receive into your life is the spirit of God. And the role of the spirit of God in your life is to continually affirm the relationship that you now have with your father. It's to continually affirm that you are loved, that you are accepted, that you are worthy, and that your Father sees you as, as a treasure of great value. It's like a tape that begins to play in your life that loops over and over and over again. And the role of the Spirit is to constantly say to your own spirit those words of life and grace that the Father wants so desperately for you to hear. That's what I believe. That's what the Spirit of God does in your life. That's the role of God's Spirit in your life. So when you, as a loved one, come alongside a husband or a wife, a son or a daughter, a mom or a dad, and you speak the very words that the Spirit is seeking to speak into their life, it sharpens the voice of the Spirit. It makes the gift that God wants so desperately for that person to receive, it makes it a little bit easier for them to hear it. That's why those moments when someone has spoken a word of life into you, a word of grace and love and acceptance, it was more than just a word. It was more than just a moment. It's why you can remember so many things about that experience and, and you feel it even now because of the power of the words that were shared. It was more than just their words. It was a connection with the word that the Spirit has been speaking into your life from the first moment you said yes to Jesus. They said it too. And when they said it, it became that much easier for you to hear what God wants so desperately to hear. I remember every time I left the presence of my, my grandfather, my dad's dad, before Alzheimer's took away much of his personality and who he was, whenever I left his presence, he would grab both of my shoulders and he would look me in the eye and he'd say, boy, I love you. I am so proud of you. 
And I'll never forget what it felt like to have his hands on my shoulders and to hear those words. Why? Because he was speaking a word that wasn't just his word. It was a word of life from the spirit alive in me. And he made it just a little bit easier to hear that word that God wanted me to hear. Now here's the flip side of that. This is the part that's going to hurt a little bit. But this is what's so damaging and so destructive when, when we choose poor words. Is we share a word that's actually in conflict with what the Spirit is seeking to speak in the life of that child. Or the life of your spouse. Or the life of that close family member. And when we speak the opposite word, when we speak a word that's in conflict with the word that the Spirit is seeking to, to, to speak, we make it a little bit harder for that loved one to hear the word that God wants them to hear. And what that means, this is going to sting a little bit. What that means is, if you in the course of a relationship with a family member have chosen poor words in the past, you owe them an apology. But you also owe the Spirit of God an apology. Because you've said a word that's been in conflict with the very word that God wanted them to hear. And your role in their life is to make sure they hear that word that God wants them to hear. That's why words are powerful. Because we either strengthen and sharpen the words of the Spirit or we silence them and make it that much harder for those people who we love to fully understand how God sees them and how they are treasured and loved by the Father. So the question for today is simply this. Who is it in your life that you need to grab hold of this week? And you need to look them in the eye and you need to project the goodness of God into them by saying the very words that God wants them to hear. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the words of your Spirit that are speaking into our hearts and lives, even now the very words you want us most to hear. I give you thanks, Lord, for those who are here today who hear those words clearly. And for all the people that you have placed in their life, Moms and dads, husbands and wives, friends, loved ones, all those who have helped them hear even more clearly those words that you want them to hear. What a gift that is to them, Lord, and we pause to thank you for them. But I also, Lord, pray for those who may only hear those words as a faint whisper, or maybe not at all. And I pray, Lord, that today, perhaps through a word that's been shared in this message, a word that they have heard in the song, or a word that they may hear from someone this week, or maybe, Lord, even just a word that they may share with someone else, they may begin, begin to hear perhaps just a little bit more clearly 
how you see them as your child, your son, your daughter, your sacred treasure. Lord, give us the courage to not only confess our sin and to say we're sorry, but also, Lord, to walk into that vulnerable moment and to say those words to others that we know you want us to say. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.